Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Is that close enough? Um, I just laugh at, I met this sweet lady on Facebook and she didn't know that I was a pastor's wife and she told her husband her mission was to get me saved. (laughs) And then her husband said, is that Val Palmer? She goes, yes, she's already saved. (laughs) Good for you. I say that I was listening to Todd White just the other day. And do you know that for 22 years, that man was a drug addict and walked past so many churches and not one person shared the gospel. 22 years. Come on, guys. So that's the message for today. I'll sit down and then we've accomplished. (laughs) But today, I am, and I'm so glad for the communion and for the songs of God's goodness chases us. Because today, we have the goodness of God and Rod's been speaking on the goodness of God's word. So I have just slid in and I'm going to carry on and add a different dimension and he will finish next week in the series. But I have entitled this Churchianity and Christianity. Big difference. And I love how you mentioned, if you look in that picture, there's the tablets of the law on either side and then there's the cross in the middle. You cannot have both. You've got to choose one or the other. I like what um, religion says, God will love us if we change. The gospel says God's love changes us. Unconditional. I love what R.C. Sproul says when he was asked, what is the difference between the Christian God and the God of other religions? And he he simply said yet the profound answer. The The main difference is this the God of Christianity exists. Every other God has a grave. You know what's going to be on my grave? I told you I was sick. No. (laughs) I had to put that in there. Religion. Religion deals with the story of man's search for God. Christianity deals with the story of God's search for man. His goodness is chasing after me. I don't have to chase after him. He's chasing after me. And I, want, I, use, I couldn't find a better picture, but I want to give you this illustration of a typical religious person. I'm basically good, and if anyone deserves to go to heaven, I certainly do. Why? Because I'm a good person. Look at the shaky foundation. So the next one is based on what? My own good efforts, my own religious deeds, and my own ability to keep the law. That is a faulty foundation. And your house is going to fall. Christianity, this is Rick Warren, Christianity is not a religion or a philosophy, but a relationship and a lifestyle. The core of the lifestyle is thinking of others as Jesus did, instead of ourselves only. That is basic Christianity. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another and fulfill the whole law of the prophets. There's a great difference between churchianity and Christianity. 
And I hope today you will see the difference. And I want to tell you, I, there's also, I've been to some granola bar churches. <laughs> Do you know what a granola bar church is? Nuts, fruits, and flakes. <laughs> so I'm not talking about the nuts, fruits, and flakes, okay? How many of you have been there? Come on. I've even been a part of it, even in my mind thinking, why are we doing this? I remember swimming on the floor in those days, thinking, what do I do, breaststroke? Do I do crawl? Do I do back? Do I do butterfly? But you know what? I was willing to do anything. I was sincere, but sincerely wrong. But at least I was sincere. And I want you to know that if it's all word, you know, people are just word, 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 word. If it's all word, you're going to dry up. If it's all spirit, you're going to blow up. Mix the two, you grow up. I see people who are just, oh, everything's the spirit, the spirit, but they've got no foundation of the word. Or just the word, the word, no foundation of the spirit. Put the two together. We need to catch the heartbeat and not the structure. The new covenant, New Testament is heartbeat. The old covenant is structure, it rules, regulations, and I know where I want to go. Ephesians, Jesus, you know, Jesus never taught theology, which is doctrine and religion. He taught life. Ephesians 3, verses 8 to 11, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers in authorities in heavenly places. So how many of you are the church? Every single one of you, put your hands up, please. So God's purpose in this is to use who? You. Amen? But in this, you know, don't abuse God's grace. Jude 4. It says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, and they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace does not give you the option or the luxury to sin. And unfortunately, we've had an imbalance. We grew up under a very strong faith, legalistic. I thank God for it, but it was also very harsh. So what happened is the imbalance. And Ecclesiastes says, avoid all extremes. So then now we had just grace, grace, grace. And now it's being abused. And everybody does whatever they like under the auspice of grace. That is false teaching and false doctrine. Don't abuse it. And um, I had to share this. There's a church in Missoula, and they have gone totally off the beaten track where they, when he advertises what he's going to preach on, on a billboard in the streets, he's got naked people because God made us naked. I mean, it's, they have gone so off the wall. And guess what the church is called? It's called the Zoo Church, short for Missoula. I'm like, that certainly is a zoo church. Telling you, most of the time, religion involves human effort, trying to please God and trying to be accepted by Him. Christianity is not a religion. Traditional religions destroy the truth of God. 
Mark 7, verse 13, you are destroying the word of God through your traditions that you have handed down. You're destroying it. You're not building it up. Religion without the truth is like a light bulb without electricity. Absolutely useless. Amen? That's what religion is. Matthew 23, 3 to 12, it says, don't, this is talking to the religious leaders now. It's saying, don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Crush. How many of you have felt crushed before by religion? They don't address anyone, they says, don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you only have one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among, amongst you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, again, Rod and I have come through an ex extreme the restoration of the fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. The side we've come from, it started good, but it went extreme. Got to bring everything. Keep it in the balance. God is a balanced God. I won't say any more about that. We are warned throughout Scripture about false teachings and doctrine. To Peter 2.1, it says, But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers amongst you. So don't think that, this was in the Old Testament. We have them today. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. The goal was to pull people away from the truth. So I want to just share, I'm going to read some differences between churchianity and Christianity but you've got to understand there's a whole teaching that Church of the Nations have done really well on, and that's the Hebrew and the Greek mentality. You've got to understand that the Old Testament was written by Hebrews in Hebrew. The New Testament was written by Hebrews in Greek. Now, what's the difference? Their values were very different. Now, I am half Greek. My mother is pure Greek, so we're not slamming the Greeks, okay? You just got to be so careful what you say, but this is a truth. So here is the Hebrew mentality of how they approach scripture. They are, it starts with a family unit. This is back when. The Greeks, it was courts, cities, governments, and it was a legal way. It wasn't family, it was legality. The Hebrews, they deal with verbs. They speak of actions and doing the will. The Greeks, they spoke in nouns which was basically concepts, big ideas. The Hebrews, they deal with reality. The Greeks, they dealt with philosophy, ideas, reason, and logic. That's why so many of the Greeks, there's so many gods. Okay, that was philosophy. The Hebrews deal with the concrete, the tangible. The Greeks, they dealt with abstract, intangible. Makes a difference when you interpret scripture. The Hebrews deal with experiential, realistic, the Greeks with, th with theory and ideas. And then the last one, the Hebrew deals with prosperity, the Greeks deal with dualism. Matter is bad and real things are spiritual. So we have to make sure that the pendulum is balanced. It's good for you when you read scriptures to see the difference between this. 
Okay, so I'm going to ask Jerry, please, if you can come up and just stand there. And Chris Garland, if you can stand there, please. So Jerry is going to represent churchianity, the old covenant. Sorry. <laughs> well, we're the same age. So <laughs> and then we have Chris, who is going to be the new covenant, Christianity. All right, you just have to stand. You don't have to say anything. No. So here's the difference. Churchianity is self-centered. New covenant Christianity is Christ-centered. Churchianity do, it's done. Trying, trusting, ritual, relationship. Feed me. Feed yourself from God's word. Meet my needs, looking out for others. Nurture me, equip me, encourage me, challenge me. Immature children, mature mothers and fathers. I feel used. People in the church, they say, please use me, and then we use them, and they go, I feel so used. <laughs> I feel used. Use and release me. Pamper me. Correct me. Keep me comfortable. Send me. You make a difference. All of make a difference for me. I'm making a difference. It's too hard. It's worth the challenge. So we're going to do some more. Here is the support system with churchianity and Christianity. The support system with churchianity you have a problem? See the pastors. <laughs> New Testament, call the one and others. You're sick, call the pastors. <laughs> New Testament church, call the elders and the leaders. Who in this church is a minister? Please stand, all the ministers. Okay, if you're ever sick or have a need, there's your choice of people to call. <laughs> All right, where is Mr. Scott? I've asked Scott Cruz to come up. And this is just a, an illustration. Um, I love this. He shared this. This happened years ago. But it just shows how people defer to the pastors. Let me tell you, the same Jesus is in him as is in you. We don't glow in the dark. Thank you, Mr. Scott. Twelve or 15 years ago, I'm not sure exactly, we were new to the church. And we'd come out of a, Christ, uh, a Baptist background, had a pastor for 16 years and didn't have a cell phone number. Anyway, we got involved with this church and this man, and it was very refreshing. My son and I had a restaurant at the time, or he still does, and we had uh, a men's meeting there every Saturday morning. And it was new and interesting. And after the, we would always have a message, and afterwards the pastor would say, anyone with needs or needs prayer or what have you, uh, come forward. And the uh, church and the deal would be done at that time, and people would be milling around and uh, leaving, and my son and I usually would be heading back to the kitchen to begin to get the deal ready for the day. And he could look up on the stage, and he would be up there, and there would be a line formed behind him, anywhere from two to seven or eight. And it went on for however long it did, but it seemed to always go on for a half an hour or longer. But anyway... Um, 
And after a few weeks, and we were new, so we didn't exactly understand, and I'd never seen that before. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, it generally was the same people. <laughs> and so <laughs> and that went on for a little while. And one day, and I don't exactly remember the reason for, uh, for the conversation that my son and I had, but, but the, the message had something to do with money and business and what have you. And I've been a businessman all my life. Well, anyway, we were standing at the back in a little alcove area, and the line was formed, and and the bobbing and the weaving were going on, and he was, you know, doing whatever he did, and uh, and it used to just blow us away to, to watch it and what have you. And I was, and I said to my son, "You know, I wonder, I wonder how much money a pastor in this. We were new to cotton; we didn't know cotton. You know, but what kind of money we make? They make." And my son looked up and he said, "You know, I don't know, but it ain't enough." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Scott. So please, use the one another's. Let's get back to relationships. Churchianity, remote, little transparency. The pastors are not accessible. The leaders are not accessible. New Testament, intimate, helping one another, transparent. The primary tasks of the leaders. This side, directing the program-based design. This side, every believer equipped to do the work of the ministry. Prayer life, this side, when I feel like it, it's not important, and what I want requests. This side, consistent, important, and what he wants. Sorry, Jerry, you're really getting it. <laughs> the pastor's duty, this side, preach good sermons and meet all my needs. This side, model the life of a believer, equip and release. Expectations of the members, this side, attending, tithing, working in programs. This side, ministering to others everywhere. Total servanthood and stewardship. Activities, meet once a week, maybe twice. This side, a lifestyle of fellowship, meeting daily. Key words, come grow us, go and make disciples. Commitment to enlarge the institution, to increase the kingdom. Evaluation test, and you can sit down, thank you. This is a big one. No, you, you're good. Thank you, Jerry. This is a big one. Evaluation test. For the churchianity, what do you know? How much do you know? Christianity, how do you serve? I don't care what you know. If you don't lift a finger to help, what does the scripture say? The greatest in the kingdom is what? Servant. So, four important things in our Christian life. Oh, now I have to say this. Read the Bible. I like this quote. Read the Bible because it'll scare the hell out of you. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. Okay, four important things in our Christian lives. And this is another um, thing that is founded on Church of the Nations. We have four things in our lives. Number one is the absolutes, which is the non-negotiables. That circle is non-negotiable. Then we have strong convictions, non-negotiable. Opinions, very negotiable. Unanswered questions, very negotiable. So what are my absolutes? I believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was born of a virgin, died, third day arose again. That is absolute. It will never change. 
Never. There are certain things I don't care what you say, what you do, they are my absolutes. The problem today is that this generation don't have any absolutes. It's whatever goes. It's constantly changing. The absolutes need to remain the same, and they have not changed from the time Jesus came to the time he left. And the next one, strong conviction. Some of you might not like this, but Rod and I have a strong conviction. We do not drink, never have drunk. I'm not putting that on you. If you're feeling uncomfortable right now, then maybe God's trying to make that yours. But we live that conviction. We have a friend of ours, Xander, and he's never drunk either, South African guy. And he said he asked his grandma, Grandma, why did you tell me not to drink? Why did you instill that in me? She's a believer. She said, my boy, because uh, when you drink, the things that are supposed to be weak become strong, and the things that are supposed to be strong become weak. So your strong conviction is now compromised and becomes negotiable. I'll move right along. Unanswered questions, I have plenty. My opinion, I have lots of opinions, but they are negotiable. I have an opinion and I'm open to change, is I can't find anywhere. I had this discussion with Lynn Swart and we laughed about it. I can't find anywhere in scripture, not one scripture where God, where we ask God to come to us, not one. Plenty where it says that God himself asks us to come to him. How many times do we sing asking him to come, to come, to come? nowhere in scripture. Now, I'm open. If you find anything, teach me. But it's always about us coming to him, never about him coming to us. He's already here. That's just my opinion. All right, I'm going to quickly give you some basic principles of interpretation of how to interpret scripture. This will help you. Number one, the Bible is without error. It is the final authority. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So if you come to me and you tell me that um, God told you it was okay for you to have an affair, I'm sorry. Scripture's very plain about that. You just have succumbed to the lust, lust of the flesh and want to give an excuse. John 10, 35, it says the scripture cannot be broken. Number two, the Bible is its own best interpreter. The best way to understand the Bible is always to let the Bible interpret itself. Scripture interprets scripture. You can't just throw a scripture out there. Bring it in balance. Number three, the entire Bible is centered around Jesus Christ. Not everything talks about him, but everything is centered around him. Luke 24, 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Number four, the message of the Bible is redemptive. It rescues us. John 20, um, 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. Number five, the message of the Bible is progressive. It has been written by different people over centuries. Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us 
through his son, Jesus. Number six, are you wondering how many there are? 500, no. <laughs> Number six, there's 10. The message of the Bible is historical. It talks about real people who lived in real places and real times in history. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Number seven, the message of the Bible is understandable. The purpose of the Bible is to reveal, not hide. Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It is, gives understanding to the simple. The next one, number eight, some biblical truths are beyond our understanding. How many of you feel that? It's like, I, I know this is right, but I don't understand it. And you know what, guys? It's okay not to understand. Don't limit God to your own understanding. Isaiah 55, verses eight and nine, we know this so well. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Number nine, we're getting there. The message of the Bible is life-changing. Amen? The Bible transforms us. Now, I want you to understand, you can read, 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 go to Bible school study and have information and do nothing with it. Well, whoop-de-doo. You can even come over here and have revelation after revelation after revelation. Great. What is the purpose of the information and the revelation? Transformation. To transform you, to make you different. Oh, somebody's asked me, do I to join a hotspot? No. Romans 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Number 10, the last one, the message of the Bible is personal. It's, yes, it talks about the world and everything else, but it's talking about you. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. I'm gonna end with this. You cannot embrace Jesus and the law. If you go to Romans chapter seven, it talks about adultery, natural adultery. The reason that is there is because right after that, he talks about spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery is not leaving one church and going to another church. The religious people really, I don't know where they get some of these sayings. Spiritual adultery is when you still take the law and you take the grace and you mix the two together. You are now taking two things instead of one. And I'm gonna read it to you here. Romans 7, verses four to six. Likewise, similar, and this is, he just done the thing on um, adultery. So he's saying, likewise, similar, my brothers and sisters, you also have died to the law. So if you've died, what have you done? Died through the body of Christ. So what's replaced it? The body of Christ. So that you may belong to another. How simple is this? You gotta die to this, accept Jesus and live in this, period. It's that simple. So it says to the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, 
in order that you might bear fruit for God. If you stay in the religious mindset, you are not going to bear fruit because you're grafted into the wrong tree. Verse 6, it says, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Amen? Amen. So you are either living the old way or you are living the new way. You cannot do both. And I'm just going to read these um, woes quickly. I was, Matthew uh, 23, I laughed. There are seven woes. How many of you know that? There's the woes to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Whoa, whoa. I'm like sheep as I'd take note. But I'm going to pick up from Matthew 23, verse 13. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let, it, let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I mean, like they didn't get it the first time. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you succeed, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. I always say we take people out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the bondage of the world, and we put them straight into the bondage of the church. Where's the freedom? 25, there's seven of them, I'm only giving you three. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be cleaned. What's he talking about? The Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God comes in, the outside changes. Religion changed the outside. Do right, look right, take a bath before you shower because you've got to be clean, you know. So stupid. This side, I'm washed inside and God will deal with the outside. But we're so concerned with the outside. I'm going to read what Mother Teresa says, and then I'm just going to ask Nancy to come up. This is, she's, I, I wanted to do this illustration. So you can either look at the word through religious glasses, but dark in you, or through Hebrew like the Hebrews did through the Spirit of God. Black. Mother Teresa I love this. It's called do it anyway. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some friends, some false friends, and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and be frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. 
You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God. It is never between you and them anyway. So, Father, I ask, just even studying this, I've realized how some areas of my life I still hold on to the churchianity, to the old covenant. And I'm asking you, Father, to just open our hearts and let us lay down the old and embrace the new. And Father, you sent us the Holy Spirit to help. Holy Spirit is our helper, so we don't have to do this on our own. And I just, I really felt challenged. And because I was challenged, I can challenge you. And I was in the same boat. How many of you have realized that you still have some religion in your lives? Put your hands up. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit shows you every time. Every time. I was amazed when the Pharisees asked Jesus to come and have a meal. Now he's been challenging the Pharisees every which way. And they say, come and have a meal. So he goes in and he doesn't wash his hands. It's traditional, customary. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, and they challenge him. Why didn't you wash your hands first? Don't they realize the man who's come to clean everything is right in your presence? That's what religion does. Jesus came to lay down all of that and to bring us into freedom, full freedom. Not the freedom of churchianity, but the freedom of Christianity to be Christ-like. So I pray, Holy Spirit, just speak to each one of us. And Father, let every person here realize that they are important, they are valuable, that they are a minister. And God, that every person here has something to give. So we just surrender to you and we just say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all that you did to set us free and free indeed. Amen.